Well, good morning, First Baptist. How are you doing today? I hope you're doing great. I'm glad to be here. Been looking forward to this time. I've been keeping up with what's been happening during the summer. Um, I noticed a couple of weeks ago you had a U.S. congressman last week, a denominational leader. Next Sunday, Charles Billingsley is coming in. Are you looking forward to that? You better be. It's going to be a great, great Sunday. So the question then becomes, who in the world is Andre Dobson showing up in the middle of all of this? I remember several years ago, there was a Charlie Brown special. And Charlie Brown and Linus and Lucy are lying on a hillside looking up into the sky, and Lucy is looking at the clouds on this day, and she said, you know, they look like great big balls of cotton. And she said, you know, if you look up into the clouds, you can imagine so many things. And so she asked Linus, she said, Linus, what do you see? And Linus said, well, I see the method of the British Enduro in the Caribbean. And over there, I see the profile of Thomas Eakins, the famous painter and sculptor. And he said, over there, you can see the stoning of Stephen. And right standing there is the Apostle Paul. Lucy asked Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, what do you see? He said, well, I was going to say I saw a ducky and a horsey, but I changed my mind. <laughs> well, today you've got the ducky and the horsey. I just want you to know, uh, but we're great, uh, glad to be here in this great church today. Uh, Brother Noel gives far too much credit. Uh, the Lord has blessed him and anointed him. Uh, we've known each other a long time, and I've watched... Uh, from a distance and we've been able to connect on many different occasions but just to watch he and Donna and Hannah and Emily and Ray as they've grown as a family and and just to be able to see the hand of God upon him uh, as he's had an opportunity to lead churches there has been no doubt uh, that I've seen God's anointing there and I'm grateful for that and I just want you to know as a church how blessed you are to have him as a pastor and I know that he feels blessed uh, to be the pastor here at First Baptist Church. And I think there are going to be some exciting years uh, ahead for you. Uh, Noel's been a great friend and was a wonderful person to be able to team up with in ministry and then to see what has happened over the years. Well, today what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a little bit of advice from an older man. Now, it's not me. We go into the Old Testament and we're going to look at a story out of the life of David. So if you'll take your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 2, and then we're going to be looking over into chapter 3. I want you to see this narrative today. You know, old people don't mean to be funny sometimes when they say things. They just say things that are funny to other people. Have you noticed that? Uh, my granddaughters nowadays will laugh at me when I just say something normal because they just think their papa said it funny to them. And so sometimes we don't mean to be funny. We just, we just say funny things. Uh, Junior Hill, the evangelist, tells the story of two older gentlemen who were sitting outside one day and they had been friends for a long, long time. And one of them turned to the other and he said, Bob, I can't remember. Was it you or your brother that was killed during World War II? <laughs> well, sometimes we may find ourselves there. I don't know. 
But I want you to listen to the advice of an older man by the name of David. Many of us know him, and he's giving advice to his son Solomon. It is something that all of us need to hear. I've entitled the message, if I had to do it all over again, which is not really the gist of the message today, and I'll get to that in just a moment. It's important for us to listen to David because there are some things in life and uh, that people have gone through, and there are some in this building today, no doubt, who have made some mistakes along the way, have made some decisions that really weren't the best decisions in the world. And the sad truth of the matter is some of these things can keep us from moving forward in our spiritual life. And we need to come to a point in our life where we deal with some of those things that have been done that maybe have affected us, even affected our families, and we move on from there. And that's exactly what David did. Have you ever heard anyone say, if I had to do it all over again? And then they say, I wouldn't change a thing. Let me just tell you, you've heard from the lips of a very foolish person. Because I can tell you, if I had to do it all over again, there are some things that I would change. In fact, if somebody makes that statement, if I had to do it all over again, there's some things I, I wouldn't change. That's claiming perfection or even worse, deity. Because all of us learn in life. We experience things in life. There are things that we grow from in life. And there are things that are not always easy. But really the question doesn't have to do with if I had to do it all over again, what would I do? The question is, knowing what I know now, what am I going to do now and what kind of decisions am I going to make moving forward that can affect my life, the life of my family, the life of my grandchildren, and the life of my church from this point forward? Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you today, as you think about it, have made some mistakes? Parenting, relationships, work, spiritual life, maybe other decisions that you've made in your life. Well, I've got good news for you. You can recover from those. Now, I'm not saying that there won't be consequences, but you can recover from those. And we learn that looking at the life of David, because when you look at David, David made a lot of mistakes. He was a faithful man. Scripture points to him as a man after God's own heart, but he was flawed, just like all of us are flawed in our lives. And there were some elephants in David's life and family. He had a son named Amnon that raped his half-sister. You know what happened after that? David got very, very angry, but doesn't seem like he ever really addressed the situation. For a couple of years, while Absalom's heart was filled with rage over what had happened to his sister, they just kind of went on with life. And it was always the elephant in the room nobody ever talked about until one day, two years later, Absalom arranged for the murder of Amnon. And then Amnon decides to run away. And for a long time, David wouldn't have anything to do with him until one of his Great advisors came to him and said, David, uh, I think something needs to be done. He even arranged a scenario with a woman to come in so David would get the point. And finally, David said, yes, send for Absalom. You can bring him back here to live, but you make sure he stays at his house. I don't want anything to do with him. And for years, his other son lived until eventually he raised up a rebellion 
against his own father. One of the stories we don't tell very much, and it's found in 1 Kings chapter 1, is about his son Adonijah, which was number four. By this time, Amnon is dead, Absalom is dead, the other son, we believe, died in childbirth because there's no mention of him. Adonijah was one of those self-entitled children. Did you know that in 1 Kings chapter 1, it says about Adonijah that David never corrected him? David never had a conversation with him that said, son, that's not a good idea. That's not wise. That's not what you need to be doing. And he grew up self-entitled to the point that he felt like it was his right to become the king one day. Not realizing or understanding that David had already said Solomon was going to be the next king. So there were a lot of mistakes. And let me make a statement here at the beginning, and I want you to hear this carefully today. Mistakes are temporary unless we refuse to change. Mistakes are temporary unless we refuse to change. By the way, I just want you to know this, you're sitting next to people today. Just kind of look around who've made a lot of mistakes. Feel free to turn to them and tell them that right now, okay? <laughs> we've all made mistakes, haven't we? And yet we can learn from those things. Here's the problem. There are so many people today that are living in the past. There are people that have come to me as a pastor and they said, Pastor, I made a mistake years ago. I committed sin years ago. Uh, it's wrecked my life. My life has never been the same since. And the question is, will we continue to make the same mistakes? You see, when you look into the life of David, uh, his first mistake wasn't having an adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. He made a mistake before that. He sent for her to come and to be with him. Uh, if David had just stopped at that point, that would have never happened. And then he made a mistake before that. He's out on the rooftop and he's actually with a longing gaze looking at Bathsheba, creating the desire in his heart that has him sin for her. But actually he made a mistake before that because if you read carefully in the scripture, it says at a time when kings go to war... David stayed back at the palace when he should have been out there with his men leading his nation forward as the commander-in-chief. He wasn't where he was supposed to be doing what he was supposed to do. So the question then becomes, do you allow all of those mistakes you make in your life to keep you from moving forward? Well, here's a great seven-word question to ask every time you get ready to do something. If you'll remember this question, and ask it before you make any decision in your life. It will help you for the rest of your life. And here it is. Is this the wise thing to do? Just ask that question. I tell young people all the time, before you make any major decision in your life, just stop and ask the question, is this the wise thing to do? And you'll find out that that can help you so many times in your life when you're looking at major decisions that you're facing. For David, there was change, and there can be in your life as well. In fact, after David's gone, Solomon has become the king, the blessing of God was so great that we actually see the Queen of Sheba say to Solomon, David's son, look, at all you have. Look at the wisdom you have. Look at the power you have. Look at the riches that you have. And the Bible tells us she nearly fainted because of that. Well, look in 1 Kings chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, and notice what David said to Solomon. 
As the time approached for David to die, he ordered his son Solomon, as for me, I'm going the way of all the earth. I'm going to die. I'm not going to be here forever. Be strong and be a man and keep your obligation to the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes, commands, ordinances, and decrees. This is written in the law of Moses so that you will have success in everything you do and wherever you turn and so that the Lord will fulfill his promise that he made to me. If your sons guard their way to walk faithfully before me with all their heart and all their soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. Those are David's instructions. Now notice David's getting ready to die. And what do you tell your children when you're getting ready to die? I think David made one of the greatest statements and gave some of the greatest instructions that any father could give to any child in their life. David basically said, you need to be strong and be a man and keep your obligation to the Lord your God. Now here's the question that comes to mind. Can David give instructions like this when he had all the failings he had in his life? Could you imagine if Solomon had said to his dad, dad, You and I both know what's been going on in our family over the course of the years. Uh, Who are you to tell me what I need to be doing? I guarantee you there are probably some young people that might have that kind of response. Uh, The question for us today is, can David give those instructions when he made some of the decisions he did? Well, you better believe he can. And in fact, he should have made the kind of declaration he made right here in 1 Kings chapter 2. I'm sure he didn't want Solomon to make some of the decisions he had made, and he certainly didn't want Solomon to face some of the consequences that he faced in his life. Now, what was the bottom line of David's instructions to Solomon? I want you to notice this. He said, be strong and be a man. Boy, I guarantee you, if there was a political leader or a king today that said, Uh, Just be strong and be a man. You'd have people coming out of the woodwork that wouldn't like that. They they would call you everything in the book. Be strong, Solomon, and be a man. Why in the world did he tell Solomon to be a man? You have to keep in mind, Solomon up until this time had been the king's son. He had led a very sheltered life, and he was about to become the king of the nation. And David knew, in fact, if you read a little bit further in chapter 2, you'll find David said, there's some tough guys out there and some guys that hadn't done things exactly right, and you're going to have to deal with them. In the first years of Solomon's uh, reign, he was going to have to make some tough decisions, and he was going to have to assume the responsibility, and it was going to take strength. And so David said, be strong and be a man. Sometimes leadership requires for us to step up to the plate and say, I need to do it no matter how difficult it is. But I want you to notice something in verse 6. David said something very key here. He said, act according to your wisdom. That's key. He said, Solomon, I want you to act according to your wisdom. So the question becomes, what's the wisest thing we could ever do? The wisest thing we could ever do is put the Lord first in our life. And that's exactly what David told Solomon here. He says, you be sure to keep your obligation to the Lord your God. 
walk in his ways, keep his statutes, his commands, his ordinances, and his decrees. And he said, when you do this, when you follow the word of God, he talks about the law of Moses here. When you obey the word of God, this is what God's going to do for you. Everywhere you turn, there will be success in your life. If you really want to know what the essence of wisdom is, put the Lord first in every area of your life. Well, this leads us over to chapter 3 because the question then becomes, did Solomon really listen to his dad? Now, I know that's not a problem here because all, I'm sure all of the children listen to their parents here. But you have to ask yourself the question, did Solomon listen to his dad? Well, I want you to turn over to 1 Kings chapter 3 as we continue the narrative and look in verses 4 and 5. Because we move from David's instructions to God's question. God comes along and he asks a question of Solomon. And the scripture says in verse 4 and 5, The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there because it was the most famous high place. He offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. God said, ask, what should I give you? Now, I want you to notice something. People often say, well, well, I wish God would just come to me and say, ask, what shall I give you? Did you notice that this took place in the context of worship? Solomon's already listening to his dad. He's gone to Gibeon to worship. David had taken the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. But the rest of the tabernacle, including the altar of sacrifice, was there at Gibeon. And one of the first things that Solomon did, he went there to worship and it said, he offered a thousand sacrifices. Solomon was already seeking the face of God. He was seeking the blessing of God in his life. And what God comes to him and asks is a question a lot of us hopefully would be excited to respond to. But it happened in the context of worship. Those burnt offerings represented Solomon's total dedication to the Lord. Anytime you saw a burnt offering, it was a picture of total dedication. What does the scripture tell us? The Bible says when we draw near to God, what does he do? He draws near to us. And so Solomon listened to his dad. He drew near to God. And God drew near to him. And he asked him this question. By the way, Eight times in this passage, the Lord asked. And here he asked Solomon, what can I do for you? Let me tell you what this was. This was a reflection of the grace of God. But it was also a test for Solomon. Sometimes God will come along in our life and he'll open doors for us. And it's, it's an example of his graciousness to us. And I've seen people make some bad decisions when God put before them an open door. Because that open door also demanded sacrifice and surrender on their part. So this was not only a gracious act of God to say, Solomon, what can I do for you? This was a test of where Solomon's heart happened to be. Well, I want you to notice Solomon's answer in verses six through 14. Let's just read that. Solomon replied, You've shown great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and integrity. You have continued this great and faithful love for him by giving him a son. 
to sit on his throne as it is today. Lord, my God, you have now made your servant king in my father David's place. Yet I am just a youth with no experience in leadership. Your servant is among your people. You have chosen a people too many to be numbered or counted. So give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people and to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. So God said to him, because you have requested this and did not ask for long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies, but you asked discernment for yourself to administer justice, I will therefore do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you before and never will be again. In addition, I will give you what you did not ask for, both riches and honor, so that no king will be your equal during your entire life. If you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and commands, just as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Now notice Solomon's answer. He didn't demand anything from God. In fact, there's great humility there. It's as if he were given a polite invitation to say, Lord, I'd love to have your wisdom in my life. Well, what did Solomon request? Well, in verses six through nine, he wanted a discerning heart. He wanted to have understanding. He wanted to be able to decide between right and wrong. Now, I know some people may say, Solomon, God came to you and he asked you, what do you want? We'd kind of treat God like looking for the genie when you rub the lamb. Solomon, you could have anything you wanted. You could have great riches. You could have power. You could have influence. You could have anything you wanted. And you ask for the discernment between right and wrong, and in some cases between good and best. You know what I found in my life as a Christian? Sometimes the decisions I'm having to make that are really important are not between good and bad. They're between good and best. And even a good thing can become a bad thing if it becomes a substitute for the best thing. And he wanted to be able to have that kind of wisdom in his life. Let me ask you a question this morning. What would you have asked for? What would you have asked for? Well, I want you to know God already knows because you're already chasing it right now. All God has to do is look at your life. The way you live, your priorities right now, tell everybody what you're chasing, whether you realize it or not. Well, Solomon wanted wisdom in the context of worship. And one of the reasons I believe Solomon gave such a great response is because he remembered the words of his dad. But he also was in, a, in an atmosphere of worship. What great worship we had today. I think in an atmosphere of worship, we're more inclined to make the right decisions and ask the right questions. And by the way, after 45 years, I am glad that I finally met somebody else named Andre in church. What great wisdom he had. Here's what Solomon said. I don't want to be deceived or tricked. 
It's not really funny when that happens. You know, I used to watch a television show many years ago called Candid Camera. How many of you remember Candid Camera? We laughed at that show. I still love some of the old episodes of that, of the old show. And when people were deceived and or tricked, we, we laughed at that. Uh, in 2014, February, in Illinois, we have a little thing called snow and ice sometimes. Early that morning, uh, I'm a pretty early riser, one of my staff members called me and said, uh, Pastor, uh, knowing that you have that big hill that you have to negotiate to get to the church, you might want to look out, out, the roads are covered with ice. And so um, we usually have salt trucks that run and so I went out early that morning and I carefully walked on the grass and got out to the street to check and see if the road was icy. It was. I fell and broke my hip, turned around and just, I was gone before you knew it. So had to have quick surgery that night and I was uh, back home and my wife was trying to take care of me and I know for Pastor Noel, it's hard for me to imagine me on a walker, but I, you know, for a couple of days, I had a little walker, and, and so I could walk upstairs and walk downstairs okay, and some of you have had those hip replacements, know what all of that's about, but I got bored. I, I'm a person that gets bored really quickly. I'm just kind of moving from thing to thing, and I, and so what I would do every day is when I got ready to go downstairs, I'd you know, take the walker, go to the top of the stairs. I'd call my wife, she'd come up and get the walker and take it down and then I would ease my way down the stairs. And so one morning I'd been a little bored so I decided, well, I'm gonna have some fun today. And so I, I took the walker and I got to the top of the stairs and I could hear her right below, not too far away and I just took the walker and tipped it over. Down it went. She screamed because she saw the walker hit the landing. And she comes running in there, and I, I can imagine she thought I was coming behind it. And when she got there, I'm standing at the top of the stairs laughing. I mean, it was a fun day. I hadn't had many fun days for a couple of days. It was a fun day. My wife, for some reason, didn't think that was funny at all. In fact, in her sweet little Christian spirit, she said, you're on your own now. Uh, well, I tell people we had a little fun with that, but it's not fun when you're deceived, is it? Solomon didn't want to be tricked. He knew that the nation's destiny hung on the fact that he had the wisdom of God in his life. And he wanted to be sure that the evil one did not wreck his path. Well, notice how God responded to this in verses 10 through 14. God basically said, okay, Solomon, I'll give you that. I'll give you understanding. I'll give you discernment. You'll be able to have wisdom and by this, uh, by the way, know this, that since you didn't ask for it, um, you'll have long life, you'll have riches, uh, you'll have your enemies in your hand. I I'm going to give you all of these other things. By the way, folks, that's called a good day. God said, I'll give you all of this. David had poured into Solomon's life wisdom, and Solomon knew what to ask for. You know, we can learn from our mistakes, folks. What, what could happen in our life, in our marriages, in our families, in our churches, if we just 
made some real changes, got humble and said, you know, I can't do it all over again, but knowing what I know now, I can make some decisions today that will change the rest of my life and that of my family. Over in the book of Proverbs chapter four, I just wanna share a couple of quick verses here. Proverbs chapter four, here's the answer to the question, how did Solomon know to ask for wisdom? How did he know to do this? Listen to this in verse one. He said, listen sons to a father's discipline and pay attention so that you may gain understanding. For I'm giving you good instruction. Don't abandon my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, listen to this, Solomon said, he taught me and said, your heart must hold on to my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget or turn away from the words from my mouth. Don't abandon wisdom and she will watch over you. Love her and she will guard you. Wisdom is supreme, so get wisdom and whatever else you get, get understanding. Here's the answer to the question of how Solomon knew to ask for wisdom. He said, my dad taught me that. That's what my dad wanted me to have. What if you made a lot of mistakes, bad decisions along the way? Did you know the book of James tells us that any, if any of us lack wisdom, all we have to do is ask of God and he doesn't resent us? for coming to ask, and he will give it to us generously. He will give us what we need. So don't be walking around saying, well, I made a mistake in my life once, and I, it's ruined the rest of my life. Mistakes may explain us, but they don't excuse us. And we need to learn how to walk forward from here. You know, I heard a pastor say something real interesting. He said that he was raised in a home where his dad left, his mother had to raise him. She'd gotten pregnant at an early age, before marriage. She didn't take advantage of some of the opportunities. She didn't have a walk with God. They were destitute financially, in stress, the early part of their life. She had some opportunities but never took advantage of them. And he said, that's the kind of home I was raised in. He now pastors a large church on the East Coast. But he said, you know, my mother came to Christ and my mother began to walk with God. And he said, before I left home, she taught me some things. He said, she taught me to love the Lord with all my heart. She taught me to get married as a virgin. Purity pays off. She taught me to walk through open doors that God provides for me. And he said, even as a boy, she taught me young man before I left home, when she hadn't had much all of her life, the 10-10-80 plan, at least tithe 10, save 10, live on 80. And he said, today, every week, I affect the lives of thousands of people as I have an opportunity to share. Families can be affected by decisions made long ago, but families can also be affected by decisions made right now. And we do get a chance to determine how we're going to move forward. Otis Townsend was a little boy that lived in Lumberton, Mississippi many years ago. And 
One day he runs into his house and he says to his mother, holding up a little red Bible, he said, Mom, Mr. Gideon visited the church today and gave me a Bible. And another man who would stand outside the movie theater on Saturdays and hand out candy to the little kids and invite them to church was there one day when Otis came out and Otis said, Mom, can I go to church? He went to church and eventually in vacation Bible school he got saved and his mom didn't want anything to do with it. And she just would try to put him off. But one day when she saw him literally run as fast as he could to get to church because she was hoping he had forgotten that day about church. She said, I don't know what it is, but I've got to have whatever Otis has. And she followed that little 11-year-old son to church. And Otis came to faith in Christ in that church. And that morning, his mother, Willa Townsend, came to faith in Christ. Pretty soon, Otis's brothers had come to faith in Christ. And it wasn't long before Ray Townsend, dad, had to give it up and come to Christ. In that little town, there was a young couple that had gotten married at an early age. And Ray and Willa began to reach out to them. They were part of their family, extended family. And they influenced them for Christ. That couple had a little boy. And that mother and dad who were influenced by Ray and Willa raised that little boy and their children up to follow Jesus Christ. And when that little boy was 17 years old, he surrendered to preach. And a couple of years later, he was a pastor. All because of the witness of little Otis Townsend, who, by the way, died at 11 because he developed cancer. And in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, his dad and mom had come into the room and he said, Dad, would you pick me up one more time? And his dad held him and laid him down, and he just went to sleep in Jesus. But I think about that little boy and Mr. Gideon, who had the Bible and the man standing outside that theater. I thought about Ray and Willa and all their boys who came to the Lord and that young couple that was influenced and that family that was influenced because that little boy of that young couple was me. And now I stand today every Sunday preaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Decisions made a long time ago can have impact for years and for years. So let me close with this. I want you to listen. Mistakes are temporary unless you refuse to change. Solomon had a choice and he chose wisdom. You know, at the beginning of the message, I made the statement you know, mistakes are temporary, but you can recover from things. Well, there's one thing that you can't recover from on your own. You can't recover from your sin. Jesus Christ had to come to this earth and go to a cross in order to make full payment for our sin. There's nothing you can do about your sin. All you can do is respond to what Christ has already done. And the wisest decision you'll ever make is to give your life to Jesus Christ. And to say to him, Lord, I know 
that there's nothing I can do about my sin problem, but I'm asking you today to forgive me of my sin. I'm choosing to accept your invitation to follow you as Lord and Savior of my life. I can tell you that will make a huge difference. Every Sunday, I think about it when I see our people. And I think about it when I stand with them when the loved one has gone home to be with the Lord. And I don't know how many funeral services I've stood there and been able to say, you know, your mom and dad gave their life to the Lord. They love Jesus. So we stand in this place with hope today. It'll be the wisest decision you will ever make. Stop worrying about, if I had to do it all over again, this is what I'd do. What are you going to do starting today? And for some of you who are here today and you know the Lord, there are some of you that just need to say, the wisest thing I could do is surrender myself to Jesus Christ completely. And I would even encourage you to turn to a loved one or maybe to come to your pastor or catch him in the hallway later. Look him in the eye and say one word. Pastor, yes. And that yes means I am totally unreservedly the Lord's today. You can come to Jesus or you can surrender to Jesus. My encouragement would be to make that decision today. Would you join me as we pray? Our Father, thank you for the day you've given us. May you bless in this time where your message is applied to our heart and where we have an opportunity to respond to you. And we'll give you the glory and praise for all that you do right here and right now. In Jesus' name, amen.